Good morning and happy new year. Good to see everybody. A couple of people said it back. Appreciate that. It's all right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. As you are turning there, <clears throat> we will have a, a New Year's prayer service for you and your family this Wednesday night. We'd love for you to join us here as uh, we begin with what I believe is what we ought to be doing. This is a house of prayer. Amen. And so uh, we need to pray together, and uh, when we pray, uh, God does things for his glory when the church prays together, and so I look forward to praying with you on Wednesday night. All of our children's activities will start back strong the following week, but this coming week we'll pray together during the midweek, and uh, look forward to that. And uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start at verse 17. The scripture says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what happens when you have a tornado one night and snow the next day, <clears throat> excuse me, Ephesians four seventeen. with the Lord's authority, I say this, <clears throat> live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. I want you to hear these three words, and I want you to think on these three words throughout, throughout the day throughout the next week, the three words that God says with his authority to the church, live no longer. Live no longer. What is this a call for? This is a call for change and a call for change from the authority of God's own mouth. Let me ask you before we, we really get into it this morning, what attitude or action is God calling out of your life? What attitude or action is, is the one that the Holy Spirit continues to tell you, live that way no longer, that God is calling you to change? Not because you don't reflect your best self if you have that attitude or complete that action, but because it doesn't reflect His character. What is God calling out of your life and saying, live no longer? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus as we open up your Bible as we hear from your word, that you would speak to us plain and true. Lord, help us to learn today from you and God even more so that we would apply it to our lives so that we may be a light to this dark world and be on mission, reaching people for your glory and for their good. Lord, we pray for a good, great year. We pray for a year, Lord, at this church that we would bring you much glory and that much will be done for your kingdom through Lindsay Lane. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to present to you three questions this morning as we go throughout the text with the, uh, the Bible starting in Ephesians 4, 17, Lord's authority, live no longer for they are hopelessly confused. As we talk about change, as everybody, I won't say everybody, as most people right now are thinking about what needs to start in you, what needs to happen. I know my family and I are the same. We think that way. What do we need to do next year that we didn't do this year? I want to ask you this question. Why do we even care about that? Have you ever thought about that? Why do, we, why do we think this way at the turn of a new year? Why do we care about getting better, getting stronger, being more successful, doing less of what used to drag us down? Why do we even care about that? The self-help, self-care industry is a $10 billion business. And because it is, that gives credit to a mass market that has a belief that it can get better or I want to be better. It's out there. We all want change. 
this is the thing that we think about this time of year. Meaning, we all have a healthy desire to be something that we're not that's even better than we used to be. The most disciplined people that I know have expressed desire to stop doing one thing that they see as weak or ineffectual or unhealthy and start doing another thing that they see as strong, healthy, and successful. Well, where does that come from? Where does that desire for more or for growth come from? I think that it comes from our desire and how we were created. We were created with this desire to be better because of who created us and how he created us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, the Bible says, Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. This is your verse for the next year. Underline it. Write it down, memorize it. Ephesians 4, verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Yes, when when one turns from their sin and turns to God, their new goal that is kept before them by the Holy Spirit is to reflect the glory of God in their character and to influence man in their conduct. But... Even for those who are not saved, even for those who are not seeking God, the desire to get better exists. Why is that? Not all 10 billion people that are involved in this self-care, self-help industry are saved. So what do we have within us that makes us want to get to a place that we've not been before? I believe this is why. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, the Bible says that we are image bearers of God. We have been created in the image of God. Even as I'm sitting here singing a few minutes ago, I'm telling you the Spirit of God speaks to my heart before I even get up on this podium to tell you. I sometimes care more about my self-image than I do my spiritual image. Are you with me? I think more about what others are thinking of me and what I think of myself than what God who created me in his image is evaluating me from. More self-image than spiritual image because the scripture says in Genesis 1.27, we are the image bearers of God. In other words, that means we were created by God with mind, morality, and management in our very nature, in our culture. It also means that we have an awareness of the reality of God. And that truth exists. It also means, y'all, that we are immortal. What does that mean? It means that when you die, you're not annihilated. That you will spend eternity either separate from God or with God in fellowship with him in heaven. You see, we we are created in the image of God. So you see, it stands to reason that if we were created in the image of God and... As it says in Ephesians, to be like God, then God is our measurement of success. God and his character is our measurement of standard. Therefore, this is why we all start thinking about how we can get better this time of year. We all start thinking about what changes we need to make this time of year. Because we don't measure up to others. We have within us a created being that is created in the image of God. But there are barriers that stand between the glory and the growth. And what stands between even the desire for us to change and the accomplishment of change is sin and self. 
sin and self. Any desire for personal growth, any accomplishment for change, whether it be losing weight, saving money, getting back in church, making new relationships, that will require us to overcome us in order to do that. Y'all, I'm going to say this now, and I hope I say it again next week and next week. If you are here this morning and you've thought to yourself, we need to get back in church, God love you. You come on back. And if you miss two weeks, you come on back again. I'm thankful that the Spirit of God reminds me when I need to get it right. And I'm so thankful that you're here. We're all grateful that you're here and hope that everybody here takes a step closer to the glory of God and the good of man this year. But it will require us to overcome us if there's any growth to happen in our life. Listen to this. Just as we have an innate desire for better, we have a natural inclination for worse. We have that desire that we want to go where we've never gone, that we want to do what we've never done, that we want to be who we've never been. But we have this natural part of us that is bent towards sin and selfishness that will not let us get there because we have a sin nature. It's a real problem, y'all. We have a selfish nature that cares about ourselves more than it cares about others, more than it cares about God. And until we have a new nature, a new way of life, a new way of thinking and living by God Almighty, it's going to be a struggle. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says this. Solomon said, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. That's what we're up against. What? What are we up against? Notice those two words, own and downward. What does that mean? Self and sin. This is our opposition from change. And y'all, not just change, change that matters. Change that means something to the values of God. Self and sin will keep God from being the main character of our story. The story of our church, the story of our life. So why do we care? We care because we were created in the image of God. To have a nature like God's when he makes us new through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now the next question is, is where should we go? Where should we go from here? Back to Paul's call for personal change as he is writing to the local church at Ephesus and is talking about live no longer and where they should go from here. Ephesians 4, 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Meaning, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you better listen up, Right? And this is what he says, live no longer, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, the Gentiles are that category of people that are outside of a relationship with God. They are lost. They have no real relationship, no right relationship with God. It simply means that they are unsaved. It simply means those category of people that are ungodly, meaning those that do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. They govern their own life, and it's about them, the ungodly. At this point, when we mention these characteristics of who the Gentiles are, you may have in your head the thought of people that you've seen on a TV screen, people that you've seen on a tablet screen, those that you've seen on social media that you would category as they are living the Gentile life. They only care about themselves. They are doing all these things and living it up in the world. But this is not so much what the Bible is referring to. It's not so much saying, don't be like those people that you see, as much as it is saying, don't be like the person that you were. Y'all hear me? Don't be like the person that you were. Because it says what? Live no longer. Live no longer means that you used to do that. 
Live no longer that way. The direction for change is away from sin and self and towards the glory of God. Where do we go when we think about change? Away from sin and self, even selfish motives, even sinful motives, and towards the glory of God and the good of others. Christian, you used to be this lost person that we just described. You used to be that person, oh, if somebody flipped up on a screen and saw you and thought, my goodness, what are they doing? That used to be us. That used to be our lifestyle. We were in control of everything that we were given. We thought that we were God in our own life. This used to be us, a person with an old, sinful, dead nature, a dead way of living, far from God, controlled by our sinful nature, controlled by our self and sin. But God made you alive in Christ. God made you alive in Christ, which means he forgave the penalty of your sin and gave you the power to overcome it through the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you. That's who you are this year. Do you know that? And because you have the presence of God in you, and because your record of sin has been cleared, you can live for the glory of God. You can change and make a difference for the glory of God and for the good of man, because that's what you got on the inside of you. We have this little Christmas-like clicker at our house. Anybody got one of these? Anybody? Nope, just us. That's what I figured. We got this little Christmas-like clicker. And basically, what happens is, is this is connected to a bunch of, well, this is connected to a receiver that you connect to a bunch of other plugs and wires that when you click this button, it'll turn the lights on. That's good science right there, and I explained that very well. But we've done this so that you don't have to crawl up under a desk and a table around two Christmas trees and up and down and press a button to get all of it to come on, right? That's why we've done this. Well, we got this thing out of the box. Brittany put the receiver and connected all the wires and plugs in. And she goes, it's almost like Christmas vacation. Not that I've seen that. It's almost like Christmas vacation. <laughs> Where he's going, goo, 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 like that. And, and we, pressed, we pressed the button like, hallelujah, and nothing happens. <laughs> Talking about worthless, man. Worthless. So I'm thinking, let's grab this thing up. And we're going to toss it in the pile of potential because that did not do a thing. It didn't work. And I got frustrated to the point where I was like, I'm going to take a look at this thing. So I get it, and I open up. It's got a little screw. I open up the back. <clears throat> it has batteries. Some of y'all are thinking, y'all didn't put batteries in. <laughs> it has batteries. See a little battery right there? But what we didn't notice was this little piece of film between the battery and the power source of the clicker so i pulled the piece of film put this thing back up glory to god it worked right <laughs> press the button and it came on and now every night none of us are climbing back underneath the desk to turn on lights because now we got this clicker why would i give you this illustration this is what happens to us when you get saved when god saves you by his grace, through faith, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, he removes that film of sin and self from our life so that we may have the power of God to turn things on for the light of his glory. That's what happens when God saves you. You get a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of power in your life. When God saves you, he is working to change you as you live. He has freed you up. One Christian leader said it this way. Just as my assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change, 
My hope of sanctification rests in the fact that I can. When the miracle of grace has been applied to our hearts, change becomes gloriously possible. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says it this way, the veil that is covering us, that is covering our minds and eyes from truth has been removed so that we can see and reflect the glory of God. Before there was a shroud of sin and self and when God saved us by his grace through faith in Jesus, his way of making us right, he has removed that veil so we are able to change and it actually means something and means something in the motives of God. And now, for those of us who are in Christ, the changes that we desire and the changes that we want to make should be relative to a new life alive in God, not just an old self and life dedicated to self. But sometimes, this old self wants to gravitate back towards the old ways, does it not? Sometimes, this old self wants to gravitate back towards the dead days. It wasn't a week or so ago. We're going to bed. I look up. Brittany's standing there. The next moment I look around, she's nowhere to be found. And all I can see is her feet hanging out, and she's up underneath the desk turning the lights off. And I said, hey, live no longer as the Gentiles do. You, you are walking in disobedience. <clears throat> and I cleared that with her before I shared it with you, but... It's, it's the truth. Sometimes we gravitate back. We have the power to make it happen. Yet we will get on our hands and knees and within ourselves and try to do it the way that we used to do it. This is why God's word is saying towards change in this year, live no longer. Don't go back to where God brought you from. If we are in Christ, fully alive to God, with the Holy Spirit active in our lives, as he is our agent of change, don't forget that. That's where the motivation and the power comes from to change. But there are times when we will not be walking in the Spirit, but walk backwards in the flesh and find ourselves not just in moments, but in seasons of our old nature, which the Bible says is corrupted by lust and deception for desire for things that are ungodly and a deceiving way of truth. So if you are considering changes this year, have you talked to God about it? If you are changing this year, do so while factoring God in. And stay away from anything that would open the doors to your old way. Last question is this. What should we think? What should we think? Here's the reason I ask this. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, if you read there, reading the last half of verse 18. The Bible says they wander far from God or the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. This is God's word describing those that are living a life far from God. The Gentiles, the, this is where they used to be, the ungodly, the far from God. Notice there again, hard heart, no sense of shame lustful pleasure, eager practice of every kind of impurity. In other words, their whole life is characterized by self and sin of one who is far from God. And what I want to point out to you today briefly for the rest of our time is how that got started. Where does lust and 
no sense of shame and hard heart and a practice of impurity, where does that get started? Verse 17 says, hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life God gives because they have closed their minds. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits lead to strongholds or successes. Don't quote me on that because I didn't write it. But it's good. Thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits lead to strongholds or successes. The battle for change, and not just change, but change that matters. The battle for change begins in your head. It begins in our minds. As we've seen that all of the things that fleshed out as sin for the Gentiles began because they were hopelessly confused, mindful of darkness, closed mind off to God. And the Bible, when it says, live no longer, is trying to take us from a spiritual mindset away from where it used to be and away from where it used to be dedicated to. Verse 17 says this, hopelessly confused. Hopelessly confused means what one thinks is reality and truth is actually not. And it won't get better outside of God. This means one has reached a conclusion actually in their head that whatever they do or whatever they say is okay or they can justify it if they think it's wrong. That's being hopelessly confused. Thinking that you've got it right and you've got it solved within your own mind. This is the characteristics of those that are far from God. Let me tell you something. Saved people can do the same thing. Saved people who have followed the Lord Jesus for a long time, as soon as a family situation, an emotional situation, a personal situation changes, all of a sudden the Word of God changes too. So what we believed as truth for a long time, because we got emotionally wrapped up in it, now we have decided for ourselves, rather than what God's Word plainly says, is true. Now, this is true because what I feel is true. But the scripture says, live no longer in that place. Don't be deceived. Don't be hopelessly confused. See, sometimes when we get wrapped up in those things, rather than submitting ourselves to the Lord's way, Lord's worldview, and just doing what God says, we've decided to justify our actions. Why? Because it's easier. That's why. It's really easier to change our own conclusions than to let Lord be Lord and let him have his way in our life. And this action to where we got to began in our head. We concluded that it was okay because it certainly did not start in our heart. Be careful, y'all. I'm going to tell you all this. We all need to know this. Be careful. While we may draw our own conclusions, we will not be our own judge. You hear that? We may stand before the world, before the church and everybody and say, this is right when God says it's wrong. And you can do that all you want to, but you better be careful because you're not going to stand and look at yourself in the mirror on judgment day. You will look at God who will be our judge. Hopelessly confused. Again, is that one thinks that reality or truth is actually not because they've decided it for themselves. Now, there are times, there are times when the world says this is the right thing to do. And I'm like, hold up, what, what are we doing? What did y'all say we're doing? Like it's so far from common sense. And it's so far from the truth of God. Verse 18. Verse 18 said, their minds, this mental position was a mind full of darkness. Full of, 
full of darkness, meaning that the space that was needed for light is already taken up by darkness. The, the, the mind far from God has no room for God to even interject, no room for God to overcome or shed light on morality or truth or understanding. Y'all, it's time for us to take evaluation of what's taking space up in our head. What is taking space in your mind? It will be difficult for you to consider hope if all you do is fill your mind with despair. It will be difficult for you to see a better day coming if all you do is listen to country songs that drag you down. You go back to the 80s and listen to some of those power love ballads that just, oh my goodness. Well, that's not going to help. You hang around with negative people, don't expect, don't expect to be positive. If you want to have a positive outlook, then don't hang around with that family member or that friend that every single time something happens, somebody hands them a $10 bill, so you could have given 20 Don't hang around that person. How can you expect, how can you expect to see the world differently if you are allowing all that into your mind? It will be hard to think you can make positive changes in your life when you are constantly comparing yourselves to others. If you are constantly comparing yourselves to others by who you see and what you watch, there's no way that you will ever experience any kind of real growth because as soon as you get to that place, you will then go, well, I'm not like that, though. It will be a certain challenge for you to serve the Lord in this church, a certain challenge for you to serve the Lord on mission this year. If already on your calendar, the priority has become the next break and next vacation. Your mind is already given over to that. How many of us this year have already thought about the blocks of time that we will give to serve and go for the glory of God? You see, you're going to go to what your mind is dedicated to. And God is teaching the church because we are representatives for him in this world. Live no longer. That's what y'all used to do. Don't go back there anymore. In order to practically make change that includes the light of God, because minds full of darkness have no room for light. In order for us to practically make change that includes the light of God, there has to be room in our mind for the truth. What is filling our mind? Is it darkness or the truth of God? Then the Bible says in verse 18, there is a wandering far from the light that God gives because they have closed their minds. Now, this is an active life, but a willingly neglecting of the truth of God. Wandering doesn't mean that they're not doing anything. Wandering means that they're going everywhere. But a mind closed off from God is one that has neglected and willfully been ignorant of the truth of God's word. Now, let's close this out today with verses 20 and 21. Ephesians 4, 20 and 21. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Let that hit you. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now we're going to revisit that again next week. But if you are here today, I want you to consider this final question. When the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 20... But that isn't what you learned about Christ. What have you learned about Jesus? 
What have you learned about your Savior, your Lord? How much about Jesus do you know? I'm convinced that a lot of Christians, the only thing they know about Jesus is that he saves. And thank God for that because it's good. But that's not the only thing. If we are to follow Jesus, then we need to know Jesus. Therefore, we will just gravitate back to our old life because we don't know the other way. What have you learned about Jesus? Do you know his word? Do you know his ways? Did you know also that Jesus serves? That the Son of Man didn't come in here to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Is what the Bible says. Did you know that Jesus lives? That your God is not a block of wood? That he is alive and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty? Did you know that? Did you know that he is is working, always working? That he's always been and always will be? Did you know that about Jesus? Did you know that God is near to the brokenhearted? Did you know that? Did you know that he is, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, the endorsement of God? Did you know that about your Savior? How did Jesus handle temptation? Does the Bible give us anything? How did Jesus treat money? How did Jesus talk about money? How did Jesus handle sorrow? How did Jesus endure circumstance? How did Jesus treat people? How did Jesus treat his body? What did Jesus say about all these things? What did Jesus say about purpose? What did Jesus say about everything? Because God's word to the church is live no longer in the position that you used to because that's not what you were taught about your Savior and Lord. The principles of the Bible teach that in order to change your life, you have to change your mind. What have you learned about Jesus? Because you've learned the truth about him, throw off the old and put on the new. I asked for and received a book for Christmas this year. I'm not a great reader, uh, but I, I found one that I really wanted to read. And so I asked my parents to give me this book and they gave it to me and I've started to read at it. You know what reading at something is? I've started to read at it and it's good. But it's interesting how reading a book makes you want to kind of put yourself in the setting of the book, right? Like if you read it and you enjoy it, it it makes you want to like be the place that you think is awesome as you're reading it or be a part of the culture in the setting. So this one particular short story in this this, uh, book is talking about ice fishing. And like a day later, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I want to go ice fishing. (laughs) You know, like I read it in a book and then we saw it on a movie and I'm thinking to myself, who who ice fishes around here? You know, nobody does. Nobody does around here, but they do somewhere in the United States. And I thought as I have read that and it's gotten in my head, as I've seen that and I watched it on a screen, now it's in my head working amongst my desires. And I'm thinking, I want to go ice fishing. Who's with me? Okay, well, we got one in the back. That's good. You see, this this is what reading TV, tablets, this is what it does. This is why during football season, your living room or your den becomes a football field, right? The kids see it on the screen, and they don't want to just see it and watch it. They want to do it. I remember as a kid, I would put a, a pillow over the arm of our couch, 
as my parents were watching a Western. And I would throw my leg up and I would get a jump rope. I would get, I would get a jump rope and I would hang it over the arm like the reins of a horse and bit in its mouth. And I had a gun and a badge and a cowboy hat. This is really weird, I know. But I didn't want to just see it as it was entering my mind and working on my desires. I wanted to be it. Well, y'all, the Bible does the same thing. The Bible does the same very thing. If you open the Word of God with a heart desiring to do right and be right with God, watch what happens to our desires. As we read that we have a new nature and that we are to be holy and righteous and true as God is, as we stay in the Word and it fills our minds and works to our hearts and to our hands and our feet, we'll want to do the same. To learn Jesus is to receive Him to start with but then is to listen to him and welcome his truth and let him set your mind. To learn Jesus is to understand his mission for our lives. I want you to consider what changes this year need to be made to your priorities, your schedule, your routines that would allow you to make necessary room for you and yours to learn more about Jesus. That's it. That's the challenge. But in order for us to make real application, it's got to stay in our minds. If Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, then our knowledge of him must increase more as we live in this world. If you are ready to make changes this year, it's going to start in your head. And you can find ways to make changes for your life in the Bible. You can find the motives about the changes that you want to make as to whether they're right or not in the Bible. Church, the Bible is where you learn about God. So how in this year will you even take a greater step towards discipleship and learning? I know I need this more of my life personally. Sometimes I don't need to study to preach to y'all. I need for God to preach to me. And I need to read God's Word. I know my family needs this more. We got two small children. Brittany and I talked about this in the last month. We need the Word of God in our family more, as a family. Our church, y'all, we are to be a room full of church, full of Christians that don't just know a little bit about their faith, but we own it. And we're able to walk out these doors and answer questions and live it and represent the glory of God in our community. And that starts when we have a mindset that's away from where we used to be and toward where God wants us to be. So join me in the search for truth as we seek to know more about Jesus this year. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. One of the things I said earlier is to learn Jesus is to receive him. The first thing that I would encourage you to do today as you are thinking about this next year and the changes, where does your heart stand? What about, the, what about the status and the state of your soul? You can make all these changes that we want to make. But at the end, if we forfeit our soul for the sake of those changes, what good is it? Amen? So with all heads bowed, eyes closed, if this is the day, if this is the year where you finally need to give way to God and trust and believe in his way of salvation and his way of living. I want to ask you right now where you stand in the quietness of mind and heart that you would by faith call on the Lord to be saved.
Maybe it's for the first time in your life. Maybe it's for the first time that you meant it. Maybe it's the first time you understand. Right where you are with head bowed, eyes closed, in the quiet of your heart and mind, call on the Lord in faith to be saved. The best way you know how. Confess your sin. Confess your faith in Jesus. Ask God to come into your life and forgive you and change you. If you've been a Christian now for a while, maybe it's, it's a recommitment that you're after. Maybe God is bringing up things that we've talked about, things that you are to live no longer in. Talk to him about it. Talk to the Lord. This altar is open. Worship is available for those who are ready to sing and thank God for where he's brought them from. And Lord God, as we close this service, as we begin another year, we're asking, oh Lord, that we would yield. Lord, you are always working. We're asking God that we would yield, that we would simply learn more about you, our Savior, our God, our Lord, the author of our salvation, the beginning and the end, oh Lord, that we would learn and be invested more in you than anything. Oh God, I pray that we would be found faithful as a church to be seeking hard after you this year. Lord, for those who have, for the first time in their heart and mind, they called on you to be saved. It's my prayer right now, oh God, that they would entrust that news to someone who can help them. I pray, oh Lord, that our church would be open and honest with people, that we would be a welcoming place for people who are seeking you, for people that don't even know what we're doing here. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. Change our minds, Lord, to change our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. We have pastors here that want to help you, decision counselors to help you through.